Psalm 26 of the Treasury of David. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephanie. The Treasury of David, Volume 1 by Charles Spurgeon. Psalm 26, Part 28. Title A Psalm of David. The sweet singer of Israel appears before us in this psalm as one enduring reproach. In this he was the type of the great son of David, and is an encouraging example to us to carry the burden of slander to the throne of grace. It is an ingenious surmise that this appeal to heaven was written by David at the time of the assassination of Ishbosheth by Bana and Rishab to protest his innocence of all participation in that treacherous murder. The tenor of the psalm certainly agrees with the supposed occasion, but it is not possible with such a slender clue to go beyond conjecture. Division Unity of subject is so distinctly maintained that there are no sharp divisions. David Dixon has given an admirable summary in these words. He appealeth to God, the supreme judge, in the testimony of a good conscience, bearing him witness, first of his endeavor to walk uprightly as a believer, verses 1, 2, 3, secondly of his keeping himself from the contagion of the evil counsel, sinful courses, and example of the wicked, verses 4, 5, thirdly of his purpose still to behave himself holily and righteously, out of love to be partaker of the public privileges of the Lord's people in the congregation. Verses 6, 7, 8. Whereupon he prayeth to be free of the judgment coming upon the wicked. Verses 9, 10. According as he had purposed to eschew their sins. Verse 11. And he closeth his prayer with comfort and assurance of being heard. Verse 12. Exposition. Verse 1. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Verse 2. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Verse 3. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. 1. Judge me, O Jehovah. A solemn appeal to the just tribunal of the heart-searching God, warranted by the circumstances of the writer, so far as regarded the particular offenses with which he was wrongly charged. Worried and worn out by the injustice of men, the innocent spirit flies from its false accusers to the throne of eternal right. He had need have a clear case who dares to carry his suit into the king's bench of heaven. Such an appeal as this is not to be rashly made on any occasion, and as to the whole of our walk and conversation, it should never be made at all, except as we are justified in Christ Jesus. A far more fitting prayer for a sinful mortal is the petition, Enter not into judgment with thy servant. For I have walked in mine integrity. He held integrity as his principle, and walked in it as his practice. David had not used any traitorous or unrighteous means to gain the crown or to keep it. He was conscious 
of having been guided by the noblest principles of honor in all his actions with regard to saul and his family what a comfort it is to have the approbation of one's own conscience if there be peace within the soul the blustering storms of slander which howl around us are of little consideration when the little bird in my bosom sings a merry song it is no matter to me if a thousand owls hoot at me from without i have trusted also in the lord faith is the root and sap of integrity he who leans upon the lord is sure to walk in righteousness david knew that god's covenant had given him the crown and therefore he took no indirect or unlawful means to secure it he would not slay his enemy in the cave nor suffer his men-at-arms to smite him when he slept unguarded on the plain faith will work hard for the lord and in the lord's way but she refuses so much as to lift a finger to fulfill the devices of unrighteous cunning rebecca acted out a great falsehood in order to fulfill the lord's decree in favor of jacob this was unbelief but abraham left the lord to fulfill his own purposes and took the knife to slay his son this was faith faith trusts god to accomplish his own decrees why should i steal when god has promised to supply my need why should i avenge myself when i know that the lord has espoused my cause confidence in god is a most effectual security against sin therefore i shall not slide slippery as the way is so that i walk like a man upon ice yet faith keeps my heels from tripping and will continue to do so the doubtful ways of policy are sure sooner or later to give a fall to those who run therein but the ways of honesty though often rough are always safe we cannot trust in god if we walk crookedly but straight paths and simple faith bring the pilgrim happily to his journey's end two there are three modes of trial here challenged which are said in the original to refer to trial by touch trial by smell and trial by fire the psalmist was so clear from the charge laid against him that he submitted himself unconditionally to any form of examination which the lord might see fit to employ examine me o lord look me through and through make a minute survey put me to the question cross-examine my evidence and prove me put me again to trial and see if i would follow such wicked designs as my enemies impute to me try my reins and my heart assay me as metals are assayed in the furnace and do this to my most secret parts where my affections hold their court see o god whether or no i love murder and treason and deceit all this is a very bold appeal and made by a man like david who feared the lord exceedingly it manifests a most solemn and complete conviction of innocence the expressions here used should teach us the thoroughness of the divine judgment and the necessity of being in all things profoundly sincere lest we be found wanting at the last our enemies are severe with us with the severity of spite and this a brave man endures without a fear but god's severity is that of unswerving right who shall stand against such a trial the sweet singer asks 
who can stand before his cold and we may well inquire who can stand before the heat of his justice three for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes an object of memory and a ground of hope a sense of mercy received sets a fair prospect before the faithful mind in its gloomiest condition for it yields visions of mercies yet to come visions not visionary but real dwell dear reader upon that celestial word loving-kindness it has a heavenly savour is it not an unmatchable word unexcelled unrivalled the goodness of the lord to us should be before our eyes as a motive actuating our conduct we are not under the bondage of the law but we are under the sweet constraints of grace which are far more mighty although far more gentle men sin with the law before their eyes but divine love when clearly seen sanctifies the conversation if we were not so forgetful of the way of mercy in which god walks towards us we should be more careful to walk in the ways of obedience toward him and i have walked in thy truth the psalmist was preserved from sin by his assurance of the truthfulness of god's promise which truth he endeavored to imitate as well as to believe observe from this verse that an experience of divine love will show itself in a practical following of divine truth those who neglect either the doctrinal or practical parts of truth must not wonder if they lose the experimental enjoyment of it some talk of truth it is better to walk in it some vow to do well in future but their resolutions come to nothing only the regenerate man can say i have walked in thy truth verse four i have not sat with vain persons neither will i go in with dissemblers verse five i have hated the congregation of evil-doers and will not sit with the wicked so far from being himself an open offender against the laws of god the psalmist had not even associated with the lovers of evil he had kept aloof from the men of belial a man is known by his company and if we have kept ourselves apart from the wicked it will always be evidence in our favor should our character be impugned he who was never in the parish is not likely to have stolen the corn he who never went to sea is clearly not the man who scuttled the ship. 4. I have not sat with vain persons. True citizens have no dealings with traitors. David had no seat in the parliament of triflers. They were not his boon companions at feasts, nor his advisers in council, nor his associates in conversation. We must needs see and speak and trade with men of the world, but we must on no account take our rest and solace in their empty society. Not only the profane, but the vain are to be shunned by us. All those who live for this life only are vain, chaffy, frothy men, quite unworthy of a Christian's friendship moreover as this vanity is often allied with falsehood it is well to save ourselves altogether from this untoward generation lest we should be led from bad to worse and from tolerating the vain 
should come to admire the wicked. Neither will I go in with dissemblers. Since I know that hypocritical piety is double iniquity, I will cease all acquaintance with pretenders. If I must needs walk the same street, I will not enter the same door and spend my time in their society. The congregation of the hypocrites is not one with which we should cultivate communion. Their ultimate rendezvous will be the lowest pit of hell. Let us drop their acquaintance now, for we shall not desire it soon. They hang their beads around their necks and carry the devil in their hearts. This clause is in the future tense to indicate that the writer felt no desire to begin an acquaintance with characters whom up till then he had shunned. We must maintain the separated path with more and more circumspection as we see the great redemption day approaching. Those who would be transfigured with Jesus must not be disfigured by conformity to the world. The resolution of the psalmist suggests that even among professed followers of truth we must make distinctions, for as there are vain persons out of the church, so there are dissemblers in it, and both are to be shunned with scrupulous decision. 5. I have hated the congregation of evildoers. A severe sentence, but not too severe. A man who does not hate evil terribly does not love good heartily. Men as men we must always love, for they are our neighbors, and therefore to be loved as ourselves. But evildoers as such are traitors to the great king, and no loyal subject can love traitors. What God hates, we must hate. The congregation or assembly of evildoers signifies violent men in alliance and conclave for the overthrow of the innocent. Such synagogues of Satan are to be held in abhorrence. What a sad reflection it is that there should be a congregation of evildoers as well as a congregation of the upright, a church of Satan as well as a church of God, a seed of the serpent as well as a seed of the woman, an old Babylon as well as a new Jerusalem, a great whore sitting upon many waters to be judged in wrath, as well as a chaste bride of the Lamb to be crowned at his coming, and will not sit with the wicked. Saints have a seat at another table, and will never leave the king's dainties for the husks of the swine trough. Better to sit with the blind and the halt and the lame at the table of mercy than with the wicked in their feasts of ungodliness. Yea, better to sit on Job's dunghill than on Pharaoh's throne. Let each reader see well to his company, for such as we keep in this world we are likely to keep in the next. Verse 6. I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord. Verse 7. That I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Verse 8. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. 6. I will wash mine hands in innocency. He would publicly avow himself to be altogether clear of the accusations laid against him, and, if any fault in other matters could be truthfully alleged against him, he would for the future abstain from it. 
the washing of the hands is a significant action to set forth our having no connection with a deed as we still say i wash my hands of the whole business as to perfect innocence david does not here claim it but he avows his innocence of the crimes whereof he was slanderously accused there is however a sense in which we may be washed in absolute innocence for the atoning blood makes us clean every whit we ought never to rest satisfied short of a full persuasion of our complete cleansing by jesus precious blood so will i compass thine altar o lord priests unto god must take great care to be personally cleansed the brazen laver was as needful as the golden altar god's worship requires us to be holy in life he who is unjust to man cannot be acceptably religious towards god we must not bring our thank-offerings with hands defiled with guilt to love justice and purity is far more acceptable to god than ten thousands of the fat of fed beasts we see from this verse that holy minds delight in the worship of the lord and find their sweetest solace at his altar and that is their deepest concern never to enter upon any course of action which would unfit them for the most sacred communion with god our eye must be upon the altar which sanctifieth both the giver and the gift yet we must never draw from the atoning sacrifice an excuse for sin but rather find in it a most convincing argument for holiness seven that i may publish with the voice of thanksgiving david was so far instructed that he does not mention the typical offering but discerns the spiritual offering which was intended thereby not the groans of bullocks but songs of gratitude the spiritual worshipper presents to sound abroad the worthy praises of the god of all grace should be the everyday business of a pardoned sinner let men slander us as they will let us not defraud the lord of his praises let dogs bark but let us like the moon shine on and tell of all thy wondrous works god's people should not be tongue-tied the wonders of divine grace are enough to make the tongue of the dumb sing god's works of love are wondrous if we consider the unworthiness of their objects the costliness of their method and the glory of their result and as men find great pleasure in discoursing upon things remarkable and astonishing so the saints rejoice to tell of the great things which the lord hath done for them eight lord i have loved the habitation of thy house into the abodes of sin he would not enter but the house of god he had long loved and loved it still we were sad children if we did not love our father's dwelling place though we own no sacred buildings yet the church of the living god is the house of god and true christians delight in her ordinances services and assemblies oh that all our days were sabbaths and the place where thine honour dwelleth in his church where god is had in honour at all times where he reveals himself in the glory of his grace and is proclaimed by his people as the lord of all we come not together as the lord's people to honour the preacher but to give glory to god such an occupation is most pleasant to the saints of the most high 
what are those gatherings where god is not honored are they not an offence to his pure and holy eyes and are they not a sad stumbling block to the people of god it brings the scalding tear upon our cheek to hear sermons in which the honor of god is so far from being the preacher's object that one might almost imagine that the preacher worshipped the dignity of manhood and thought more of it than of the infinite majesty of god verse nine gather not my soul with sinners nor my life with bloody men verse ten in whose hand is mischief and their right hand is full of bribes nine gather not my soul with sinners lord when like fruit i must be gathered put me not in the same basket with the best of sinners much less with the worst of them the company of sinners is so distasteful to us here that we cannot endure the thought of being bound up in the same bundle with them to all eternity our comfort is that the great husbandman discerns the tares from the wheat and will find a separate place for distinct characters in the former verses we see that the psalmist kept himself clear of profane persons and this is to be understood as a reason why he should not be thrust into their company at the last let us think of the doom of the wicked and the prayer of the text will forcibly rise to our lips meanwhile as we see the rule of judgment by which like is gathered to its like we who have passed from death unto life have nothing to fear nor my life with bloody men our soul sickens to hear them speak their cruel dispatches in which they treat the shooting of their fellowmen as rare sport are horrifying to us lord let us not be shut up in the same prison with them nay the same paradise with such men would be a hell if they remained as they now are ten in whose hands is mischief they have both hands full of it plotting it and carrying it out and their right hand with which they are most dexterous is full of bribes like thieves who would steal with impunity they carry a sop for the dogs of justice he who gives bribes is every way as guilty as the man who takes them and in the matter of our parliamentary elections the rich villain who gives the bribe is by far the worse bribery in any form or shape should be as detestable to a christian as carrion to a dove or garbage to a lamb let those whose dirty hands are fond of bribes remember that neither death nor the devil can be bribed to let them escape their well-earned doom verse eleven but as for me i will walk in mine integrity redeem me and be merciful unto me here is the lover of godliness entering his personal protest against unrighteous gain he is a nonconformist and is ready to stand alone in his nonconformity. Like a live fish he swims against the stream. Trusting in God, the psalmist resolves that the plain way of righteousness shall be his choice, and those who will may prefer the torturous paths of violence and deceit. Yet he is by no means a boaster, or a self-righteous vaunter of his own strength, for he cries for redemption and pleads for mercy our integrity is not absolute nor inherent it is a work of grace in us and is marred by human infirmity 
we must therefore resort to the redeeming blood and to the throne of mercy confessing that though we are saints among men we must still bow as sinners before god verse twelve my foot standeth in an even place in the congregations will i bless the lord the song began in the minor but it has now reached the major key saints often sing themselves into happiness the even place upon which our foot stands is the sure covenant faithfulness eternal promise and immutable oath of the lord of hosts there is no fear of falling from this solid basis or of its being removed from under us established in christ jesus by being vitally united to him we have nothing left to occupy our thoughts but the praises of our god let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together and when assembled let us not be slow to contribute our portion of thanksgiving each saint is a witness to divine faithfulness and should be ready with his testimony as for the slanderers let them howl outside the door while the children sing within end of psalm 26 part 28 recording by stephanie savannah georgia end of the treasury of david volume 1 by charles spurgeon